Hello, this is Stacy Gibson, and welcome to my podcast. As promised on my promo tonight, we're going to be looking at Does Baptism Save? Does Baptism Save? We're going to be uh, coming from Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be ye baptized, or excuse me, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, I love you tonight. I thank you for saving my soul. I thank you, dear God, that all I have to do is just believe in you, Father, dear Lord. Thankful that your son Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Thankful for that blood that was shed on Calvary's cross, Father, dear Lord. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you, dear God, for the written word that we have. Dear God, and I just pray right now the Holy Spirit would lead, guide, and direct here tonight, Father, dear Lord, that you would help me to uh, be swiftly and get through this, Father, dear Lord, and to say the and speak truth fathers i always want to and help dear god there might be someone listening father dear lord that doesn't know you i pray that something i say and do father dear god would lead them to you and also pray dear god if there's someone that has turned their back on you father dear lord that maybe something i would say would uh, get them back on fire for you in jesus name i pray amen amen acts chapter 2 verse 38 then peter said unto them repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Does baptism save? Uh, There's been a lot of debate that I've been looking at. uh, There was someone started out on Facebook about baptism saving you. And I have been told that in order to be saved, that you must be baptized. Is this true? Scripture do ha- Scripture does have verses that do state that we are to be baptized. And let me say from the very start that I do go to a Baptist church and I have been baptized. So what's the problem, right? Hmm. Maybe the greater question is, when are we justified? At what point? Before baptism? During baptism? or after baptism? Does the act of baptism really save? Well, we're going to jump into the God's Word tonight. We're going to look at some stuff and uh, go through the Bible, of course, as always, that, that tell us about being baptized and maybe break some of it down a little bit. Uh, we can, And I'm going to start way back in the Old Testament and look at the purification rituals. Now, the motto of the uh, third book of of the Bible is is Leviticus, is be ye holy, for I am holy. We do serve an holy God, and he has graciously called us unto salvation. And as his children, we need to be holy. I think that's important for us to understand. Leviticus 11, 44 and 45. Also in chapter 13 uh, in Leviticus, it speaks of washing because of the plague of leprosy. Now, in the Hebrew, it means to become diseased in the skin. Now, it was only after they were cured that the purification and cleansing took place. He was first uh, shut up seven. He was first to shut up seven days, then another seven days, and it was only after the priest pronounced him 
clean. Notice that. The priest had to pronounce him clean. Then he was able to wash his clothes, wash his body, and return to normal life. Leviticus 13.6 Now, we know right now that leprosy in the Bible, they were told that unclean, unclean, they were, you're just stay away from kind of like what we got going on now. And, and <laughs> with this, uh, COVID-19 uh, problem, you know, we're supposed to distance ourselves and stay away from each other. And, you know, and if you had leprosy uh, back in the Bible days, you were to stay outside of the camp and no one was to get near you. It was a pretty serious thing. Hmm. Now you can, uh, you see, you can't be washed unless you are clean first. You have to be free from the spread of leprosy, which can, if you look at it, it can simply represent sin. The priest would never allow a leper to wash his clothes or body until the leprosy was dealt with first. I could say uh, tonight that we are not, we should not be. Uh, allowed to get into a baptism pool until our sin is dealt with first. Then I put here that, you know, hey, sinners should never step into a baptismal pool without being sin-free first. Lepers are outside the camp, not allowed to come into the camp until they are clean. It is a picture of salvation. Sinners are to repent, like Peter said, and that is accept what Jesus did by faith, accept what he did on the cross, accept that Jesus Christ died on the cross, he shed his blood, God sent his only begotten son to this world just for that purpose. We are to accept what Jesus done by faith, we are to get clean, which is salvation, and then be washed, which is baptism. I would also like to say at this point, the whole Bible is for the Christian, not just the New Testament. I know a lot of people talk about that. We live in the New Testament. Let me just tell you, right now, I told you, I'm going to always try. I'm going to always speak truth. And God is the same God of the Old Testament. is still the same God of the New Testament. Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. He's still that same God. And what he believed in in the Old Testament, his ways does not change. He had a plan and he stuck to it. What the Adam and Eve sent in the Garden of Eden did not change anything. It didn't. God didn't have a plan B that he had to come up with. Hmm. Not just the New Testament, but... All, the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It's all in harmony. It all flows together. It's all in unison. And there were different dispen dispensations. Now, God's not changed. Leviticus chapter 14 goes on to say that once he is clean, there must be a blood sacrifice. And after the blood sacrifice, he sprinkled seven times and he shall wash his clothes, shave his head, and wash himself. This is for the extreme cases of leprosy. And again, we see the blood must be applied first, then a washing. This is repeated over and over again. Blood offerings are made for atonement all throughout the Old Testament. But the key thing to remember, it is not until the priest pronounces him clean. Then he shall wash and be clean. 
The mitzvah, M-I-T-Z-V-A-H, is a ceremonial cleansing. It comes from the 613 commandments in the Old Testament. We know uh, from the Torah. Is, is Let's just use an example of someone touching a dead body. They were pronounced unclean, and they had to go through these rituals. Uh, a person would wash before the ceremonial of ritual purification. It was immersion. He was to be restored to purity at that uh, particular time. And notice here, there was a, a, a point where they were sprinkled on, and there was a point where there also was full body immersion. Now, I can think of two uh, incidences in the Old Testament where water did miraculously heal or take place, and a miracle did pl- take place. Because let me tell you, uh, being salvation is a miracle. It's a, it's a great thing that happens. I remember in 2 Kings chapter 5, uh, uh, Elisha, Nahum the leper, was, was told by Elisha to go dip in the Jordan seven times. Now, if he was disobedient at any point, if he'd have went down there and dipped six times, it wouldn't have worked. He had to be obedient. He dipped seven times, and on the seventh time, he was healed of his leprosy. Another time I think about in the New Testament is when the troubled waters at the pool. The man, uh, Jesus, uh, was the man was crying out, and Jesus said, "What you know? What can I do for you?" Basically, and he says, "I have no one to put me in the water." <laughs> well, Jesus healed him that day, but you know, we all know that the that when we look at that story right there, it just simply says that there was a there was there was some miraculous water going on there. But you know, these rituals, and I just, I wanted to bring those two out because I want to know people are going to say something about that. But I wanted to look; these rituals were nothing more than me going to the bathroom right now and washing my hands. You know, as a matter of fact, it's even worse than that because these rituals, the sprinkling of the hyssop and all the different things they did, none of that was really actually going to clean your body. It was a ceremonial ritual. But it was also had to be done. Now, I want to look at here. We'll move on. It says cleanliness is next to godliness. How many of you have heard that? Heard that all my life. And you know what? When we look at cleanliness and next to holiness, I do believe right now with all my heart that God wants you to be clean. I don't think you should have a, a odor smell about you. I think you should bathe. I think you should wash. I think you should brush your teeth and and uh, and wash your hair, which I don't really have any. But but amen, you are to be clean. But when the Bible speaks of cleanliness is next to godliness like this, and when the Bible talks about purification, it is often dealing with the heart. God wants us to be clean, and many times in the Old Testament we are to wash and be clean, and it speaks of washing dirt from off the body, germs, etc., right? Just like we do today, we're told now more than ever to wash your hands. However, we are not to we are to we are not getting into the baptismal pool till we wash the dirt off. I mean, we're not getting there to wash the dirt off. We should be clean and forgiven from sin before we get in. Hmm. Let's move on. I mean, I think I've made uh, some things clear, but let's let's look at. Uh, I got something I wrote here. Uh, let's look at uh, this uh, baptism that John did. And before before we get in there, it says baptism was not new when John the Baptist came on the scene in the New Testament. All ordinances in the Old Testament are shadows of future rituals. Sacrificing of animals, bloodshed, sprinkling of the blood with hyssop, 
and washing with water were all required rituals. Unclean people were cut off. That's that's how God God took this very serious with his children. And notice they were his children first. God chose the children of Israel. He placed his name, they chose to place his name upon them. So they were called before. They were the apple of his eye. And he and he wanted them to follow these rituals and follow these sets of rules and do things in a certain order. And if they did not perform these rituals, did it not save because of that? When they did do these rituals, did it save them? God made it clear he was holy and he wanted his people to be clean. What do you do when you're dirty? What do you do when you're physically dirty? You wash. What do you do When you're spiritually dirty, you ask for forgiveness and you repent. And washing washing removes the dirt. And repenting removes the sin. In today's time, when we repent, we're we're not getting saved over and over again. We're simply bringing back the fellowship. Sin separates us from God. God also made it clear in in his word that it is the heart he is after, not rituals. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 8, The people draweth nigh to me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. Hmm. Jesus is not concerned with any washing. Jesus is concerned with your heart. Like I said, I want to go back. I want to look at this. I want to tell you right now, I do believe that we are to be clean. I believe that we are to take baths and wash ourselves. And I and it was serious in the Old Testament that they were to perform these rituals or they would be cut off. But understand, they would be cut off because they they were not being obedient to God. They were already His children. He had already called them. We live in a different thing today because Jesus has died on the cross. But let's move on. Let's move on to John the, the Baptist. Why did he baptize? Jesus had not died on the cross at this particular point. He had not died yet. And why was Jesus baptized? We can, we're going to look at that too. John did not bring anything new to the table. Baptism has always been a part of God's plan in the Old Testament. If you do not clean yourself, make yourself ceremonial clean, that ceremonial cleansing, that ritual of purification, you had to be clean. You had to bear your iniquity. Washing was a part of being God's people. In the Old Testament, it was a necessity. Like I said, you would get cut off. It's the same as today. It's the same as today as we need to repent to bring back that fellowship, as I just said. John was baptizing in that same way. Jesus had not died on the cross yet, and John was preparing the way for Christ. John did not say, come and take a shower or a bath. He said, 
or preached baptism and repentance for the remission of sins. This was not new. Why did John baptize? Let's look at that. This is back to my little handout here that I had wrote. John baptized to make manifest the Messiah to Israel, to identify that Jesus was Israel's Messiah, and to prepare the way. Isaiah 43, it speaks of John, prepare a way for God and highway to follow Jesus. Malachi 3.1 says, I will send my messenger preparing the way. John is that messenger. The priest and the Levites asked John who he was, not what he was doing in John chapter 1.21. Now, why is that? Why did the priest not, if baptism was something new when John the Baptist was baptizing, why did the Levites and the priest not come to him and say, what are you doing? They didn't ask him what he was doing. They understood baptism. They just wanted to know who he was. This was not new. It was the same cleansing of the Old Testament ritual. John was preparing the way. He did not ask if they believed, and if they said yes, then come and be baptized. John didn't say that. Hey, do you believe in Jesus Christ? He's coming. You don't know him yet, but he's coming. Well, you do? Okay, great. Come over here. I'm going to baptize. No, he preached baptism and the repentance for the remission of sins. He was preparing the way for Christ. God's chosen people had no choice but to be washed. It was part of their ritual law. Jesus Christ came not to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. But things did change. We no longer have to sacrifice animals. We no longer have to do those ritual cleansings. God's children simply needed to be ready for Jesus. They needed to be clean, ritually clean. John was preaching the way. Now, why was Jesus baptized? Let's look at that. I'll go back to it. Why was Jesus baptized? Now, Jesus did it as a pattern for Israel to follow. Jesus had no sin. He did it to identify with sinners. He did it to fulfill all righteousness. He also did it to show the approval of John's ministry. It showed us the Trinity. We had Jesus being baptized. We had the Holy Spirit coming down in the form of a dove. And then we had the Heavenly Father speaking out of heaven. So it showed us the Trinity. And one thing that is really important about Jesus' baptism is it pleased the Father. Jesus was always about pleasing the Father, and so should we. John 1.31, And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. Verse 32 says, And I bear record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode on him. 
Jesus was baptized to show Israel the way. Jesus was clean. He did not need a ritual cleansing. He had no sin. However, when the heavens opened up, John and all that had that had been there, been uh, baptized, was there. John seen it. All the people he was baptizing seen it. All that were there, all that were present, heard. There would be no doubt that Jesus was the one. Luke three twenty two says, "In the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost descended uh, in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son.'" In thee I am well pleased. I don't know about you, but two things stand out here. First, John, like I said just a while ago, and all that were there said, Yep, <laughs> that's him. That's the Messiah. How could you not say that? Number two, this uh, this did not happen to, to me when I was baptized. Did it happen to you? I did not come up out of the water and the Holy Ghost come down and, and the heavens open and, and God spoke to all those watching. I've never been to anybody's baptism where something like that would happen. I can say, well, that was Jesus Christ. That's right. But let me compare something with you. And I'm not the only one. I bet you there's a lot of people that will agree with me right now. Because when I got saved, something did happen. When I went down to an altar and I accepted Jesus Christ by faith, it was at that moment something happened to me. Tears began to flow from my eyes. It was almost as if the heavens opened up and I did maybe hear a voice calling from heaven telling me to come on down to that altar. There was something going on there. There was something mystical happening there. And at that altar, I shed tears and I walked. I got up a new man and I've never been the same since. Something did happen to me at conversion. It was a great, wonderful thing. I was quiet, I was crying with repentance, and I got up a changed man. I could no longer sin without being convicted. And at that point, the change was made. For me, it was some time later when I in the pastor scheduled baptism service, and I, along with others, were baptized weeks later in the river. And I love that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we shouldn't be baptized. I'm just simply saying that baptism did not save me. I was saved before I went to that river. I was a changed person before I went to that river. And I believe in baptism. I believe that we should be washed. I believe we should go down with the old man and come up with the new. But it is simply symbolic. I wanted to be baptized. And I do not, and I do think that it is very important. However, the change was made in me when I got up from the altar when I called on Jesus and believed. Jesus came to fulfill the law, not destroy it. Jesus said, Behold, I make all things new. And this is one of them. Like I said, I'm glad today that I don't have to go and try to keep up with those, what, 613 
commandments. I'm glad today that I ain't got to go out every time I sin and sacrifice a lamb, a turtle dove, or, or something and grab the horns of the altar and cry out to God and get blood everywhere. I'm glad that Jesus Christ made a new way for me, the new covenant, the blood covenant of the New Testament. I'm glad that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I'm glad that I don't have to worry about any of that today. All I got to do is simply get on my knees each and every day and call out to Him and just simply ask for forgiveness. And as long as I'm doing that, my fellowship with God is, is right on. It's, it's perfect. We're walking together in unison like the Trinity, like the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, I'll make all things new. The question is baptism. Is baptism an ordinance, a sacrament, a requirement for salvation? Let's go back and look at the questions that John's disciples asked him. John 3, 25, 26, and, and we'll look at there, verse 36 as well. It says, Then there arose a question between John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came to John and said unto him, Rabbi, the man you spoke of, the one whom you baptized, the one who you bear witness of, the same baptizeth all, and all men come to him. Verse 27 says, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. I can't do anything to get saved. I can't just decide, you know what, I'm going to get saved tonight. The Bible is clear that we need to, that the Holy Spirit, when you hear the preaching of the word, the preaching of the word will prick and convict and the Spirit has to call you and it calls you down to that altar. And salvation takes place. You're chosen, God. I didn't choose God. God chose me. Hmm. A man can receive nothing except it be given to him from heaven. I can't just go jump in a baptismal pool and say, you know what, I think I'm just going to, I'll try this thing out. I tell you, you'll get in there and you'll walk out the same man and nothing's going to be changed in your heart. You'll go back to what Jesus said. Hey, you, you talk about me with, with your lips, <laughs> but your heart is far from me. And while I got that on the brain, let me just say that is I, I believe that's what's wrong with America today. That we uh, uh, so many people out there talk about God, but they don't they talk about God with their mouth, but their hearts are far from him. Hey, you get your heart right. <laughs> and then we might can change America. We might can change some things going on. John goes on in, to, in, in verse 30 to say he must increase but I must decrease. John knew that his, that his ministry was given to him by God and it would have an ending and that Jesus was greater and that Jesus was eternal. John understood his place. John knew what he was doing. John knew that he said, hey, I'm not even worthy to latch his shoes. We'll see that. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation. We can't work it. We can't buy it. We only receive it by faith from above. 
Verse 36, and he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Notice that it says, he that believeth. You'll find this all throughout the Bible. Uh, believe, believe, faith, faith. Even, even when I said repent, what is an act of repentance? It's an act of believing that you need that repentance, that you need to. It's an act of faith. It is an act of believing. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There we go. We've got to have that belief. Ye must, you must believe to be saved. Read Romans chapter 10. Read that chapter. Understand it. For the sake of time, I'm not going to sit here and go through it. I got many, I got other stuff I'm, I want to get to here. And I tell you what, if I can get through this, maybe I will read some of chapter 10. Excuse me. I'm going to take a little coffee. Mm, love coffee. If baptism could save you, didn't. Why did those baptized by John have to be baptized again by Paul? Acts 19.2 says, He said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? Notice what Paul said there, since ye believed. Verse 3, Unto John's baptism, Hmm. Again, we see that they had to believe first. Hey, I'm going to take a quick break. We'll be right back and uh, we'll continue with Does Baptism Save? Hello, this is Stacy Gibson and we're back. Uh, we left off here. It says uh, we know that we uh, had to believe first. And I know that this was, uh, I wanted, to, well, let me back up just a little bit. He, in Acts 19, two, he said unto them, Have you received the, the Holy Ghost since you believed? Verse 3, unto John's baptism. Now, again, we see that they had to believe first. I didn't want to go ahead and pick up right there. And I says, I know that this was the transition period and things were done different back there. They, you know, it's not done that, you know, a lot of people that they had to lay hands on before they actually received the gift of the Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus ascended and told the, uh, the apostles to do the same thing. He told all of them, said, hey, y'all remain here into this upper room until the uh, Holy Spirit will come down. Well, you know, that was the transition period. And now we no longer have to worry about that. Now is when you believe, when you go down to that altar and you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit immediately comes into you. It comes and dwells and sets up residency. I know there's a lot of people that, that believe that it's weeks later or days later when something like that happens, that you might have to do it in the day of Pentecost. Well, let me just tell you, I mean, I'm not going to fuss and argue over stuff like that. And I do want to make a couple things clear. Uh, we had had an episode uh, uh, at one point where we talked about 
uh, once saved and always saved and, you know, and things like that. You know, hey, if you, I'm not going to argue with people. I know I don't want to debate with people over certain things unless it is something that affects true sound doctrine. Uh, you can't, and I'll give you an example. You can't say that there's another way other than Jesus Christ. No, Jesus Christ is the only way. I will have to argue that point all the way. Uh, well, uh, Jesus was not born of a virgin. Yes, I will argue that all the way home. Yes, Jesus was born of a virgin. You can't, uh, you can't alter those uh, sound doctrines at all. What did Jesus Christ die on the cross and did he resurrect and is he alive today? Yes, he was born of a virgin. Yes, the blood has to be applied. And yes, salvation comes from faith. Salvation comes from accepting Jesus Christ and what he did on that cross. I can't, I have to, I ha, I will have to argue the point that if someone says that, oh, oh, you, you got to be uh, baptized to be saved. Well, I'm going to have, I'm sorry, that's a doctrinal belief that I'm going to have to argue because we can't go around telling people that. If you tell people that, then they're just going to get baptized and then end up in hell. Hmm. Well, let's go back and look at uh, look at these questions. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We already looked at those. Let's. Uh, I got on a little rant there. Sorry about that. The day of Pentecost. Let's see. Uh, today, the Holy Ghost is received at the moment of salvation through faith and God's grace. Notice it's God's grace that makes this possible. The day of Pentecost, as I was saying here has come, the transition period is over, and the Holy Ghost is our guarantee of salvation. We no longer sacrifice animals. We no longer perform rituals. Do we eat the Passover? Do we have to obey some kind of calendar? Do we have a timeline to follow? Are we saved through a priesthood? The answer is no to all these questions. If baptism could save, then would Jesus had to have gone to the cross? Hey, just, you know, if the ritual cleansing could save you, if the if we had to say, if sa sacrificing these animals in the Old Testament, if that was all su uh, suffice, then why did Jesus have to come? Why did Jesus have to suffer? Hey, let's just all get washed. Hmm. And if baptism can really save us, then do we need to be baptized every day? Because we're going to sin every day. Do we need to be baptized every day? Hmm. Interesting. I would, my answer again to that would be no. We take a step of faith. We believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We ask Jesus to be king in our life and the Holy Ghost comes upon us and then and only then should we set up to get baptized. Acts 2.38 where I started out and the key word here in this text is repent and be baptized. How can you be baptized if you don't repent first? Like I said, you're not going to step in. Why would you step into a baptismal pool if you have not accepted by faith what Christ did on the cross? 
You would have to be saved first, just like the leper has to be cleansed first before he can be washed. Repent and baptize. Repent is belief. Why would you repent if you did not have faith in Jesus Christ? Why would you even repent if you didn't believe what he did on the cross? Verse 41 says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Again, this key word here is received. When you receive something, you're receiving and it's an act of faith. It is an act of belief. And again, this act of belief and faith always comes first. Luke 3.16, John answered, saying unto them all. Now I wanted to, I want to, I'm going to tell you the baptism that does count. I'm going to, Brother Stacy, are you going to tell me that all of you said tonight you're going to go back on your word? Yeah, let me just tell you, there is a baptism that saves. Oh, yes, there is. Here we go right here, Luke 3.16. John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water. But one mightier than I cometh, who the latches of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Amen, amen, and amen. <laughs> this is the baptism that we must have to go to heaven not water baptism. Again, I'll reflect back to when I got up from that altar. It was like I was baptism with fire. It's like there was something on got a hold of me. It was the changed person. It was like the heavens opened up. And don't get me wrong, I remember getting baptized, and I remember it was a wonderful thing. But when I got up from being baptized, I was just looking for my mother and just to make sure she was proud of me. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel any different. Hmm. Interesting. I'm going to read something here. I, I think I do have, I have a little bit more time than I thought here going uh, tonight. So I'm going to read something here a little bit different. I'm going to look at the King James Study Bible. I'm going to look here at 1 Corinthians. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 13 says, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, or have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And I want to look, and that's the verse, but I wanted to look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is an act whereby the individual believer becomes united with Christ. Even though the effects of the Holy Spirit are, are realized at the believer's conversion, which is thus exponential, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not exponential. The fact that the Christians at Corinth were baptized into the Spirit shows that the baptism of the Holy Spirit does not itself eradicate the sin nature. Some Christians are confused as to when the baptism occurs. There are four biblical answers to this question. The theological answer states that baptism of the Spirit is the effect of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and that the believer is united with Christ by this baptism. Galatians 2.20 Initially, the baptism of the Holy Spirit occurred on the day of Pentecost, when the new church was baptized in the Spirit. Acts 2.2 
Personally, a Christian is baptized in the Spirit at the moment of conversion. Verse 13 here. I just read it. As the believer submits to water baptism, he testifies of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Romans 6, 4-6. Now, application here is because all Christians have been baptized by the Holy Spirit into one body of Christ, they should also submit to the biblical ordinance, notice that's all it is, of water baptism and become a part of the local church. I am going to read. I didn't think I would have time. I usually don't. <laughs> but I guess maybe I'm not rambling on as quite as much tonight. I'm just sticking to my points and I'm going with it. But I am going to look at Romans chapter 10. I'm not going to finish up here tonight. Just want to let you know, this is, we, uh, we always talk, call this the Roman road. And if you're lost tonight, hey, this is a great time to tune in. Turn the volume up and let's let's go ahead and see. And let me just go ahead and lead you down the Roman road myself personally. If, Like I said, if you're lost tonight, listen up. And today, the world we live in, it's changing. It's changing, people. I, I, I encourage you to open up your eyes. Look around. Look at what's happening. I do believe that prophecy is being fulfilled right before our very eyes. And when it comes down to it, like I said earlier about all this debate on, you know, you once saved, always saved. We don't need to be arguing. We, I, I've said this before. We don't need to be straining over that gnat. Right now, we don't need to be arguing over God's word unless it's something sound doctrine, like, like I've said before about the virgin birth or that Jesus is not the only way. There's there's certain things we have to stand strong on. But there's other things in the Bible. You know what? It doesn't matter. Guess what? There's going to be Baptist. There's going to be Pentecostal. There's going to be holiness. There's going to be non-denominational. There's going to be every kinds of people in heaven. There's going to be Baptist. There's going to be Pentecostal. There's going to be holiness. There's going to be non-denominational in hell. Because it's all about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's all about Him calling you and you accepting by faith and believing what He did on the cross. There is gonna, there's not going to be any denominational separation in heaven. And right now, we don't need to be focusing on arguing or debating over all what God's Word says. Or Brother Stacy, why are you doing this podcast? Because I'm trying to spread truth. And my goal is not to argue with anyone. My goal is to see lost souls get saved. That's exactly what I want to do. That's the whole sole purpose of this whole podcast is to educate, to speak truth, and to see lives touched and changed. For the sinner to repent, call on Jesus and be saved, and for the and for the one who's turned their back on the God to get back on fire for God. And that's what we need here. We need a revival here in America. We need it now more than ever. And people are all people are asking many questions right now. And people, a lot of people are praying. You know what? A lot of people are praying. They're praying the wrong thing. They're praying, God, please deliver us. God, please deliver us. Oh God, take away this virus. Take away uh, COVID. Uh, I mean, uh, COVID nineteen. Take away this coronavirus. What we really need to be praying is, God, why? Did you allow this to happen? What is it that we need to do to change? Because God does not want to fix this problem and send us right back to the way it was before. Why would he do that? 
if we look at the Old Testament, that's why I said the Bible, the whole Bible is for you from Genesis all the way to Revelations. You cannot take bits and pieces out and pull it out and do what you want to. you got to read the whole thing. You've got to start in Genesis or, and read all the way through the Bible. You've got to apply every chapter, every verse, and you've got to line it all up. And you've got to really know exactly what you're talking about. And if you'll look at the Old Testament, it is so good to find out how God dealt with sin, how God dealt with his children then. He's that same God. And he wants to deal with that same sin this way. The children of Israel were the apple of his eye. But when they did wrong, when they failed to keep the Sabbath, when they didn't, uh, when they disobeyed him, he tapped them on the shoulder, tapped them on the shoulder. But eventually he's going to shake you. And eventually he'll put you flat on your back until you have no choice but look up and call out on him. And I think that's what he's doing with America right now. Every time he brought the children of Israel, hit the apple of his eye, he brought them into captivity. He punished them. Because of their lack of obedience, their idolatry, because of sin. God only puts up with sin for so long. As an individual, we all know this. We sin, God gets a hold of us, and he whips us, and it hurts. Been there many times. Finally, I put up that red, fl a white flag, and I surrender. I said, "God, I'm tired of being whipped. I'm going to start doing things your way." And my life has never been the same since. It was that's the second experience that I could say that I've actually had. The first one was salvation; it was a great thing. But you know, the next one, if I was going to say anything, I wasn't receiving the Holy Ghost. I already had that because it was convicting me every day for what I was doing wrong. It was the fact that I'd had enough, and I was like, "You know what? No more my way. It's always going to be your way from now on." God deals with sin. We can't, I'm going to, I've said this, I don't know how many episodes I've said this. We can't continue to murder babies. We can't continue to just do, put, keep God on a shelf and only pull him out when we need him and think that he's just going to fix everything and we're going to put him right back on that shelf. It, he does not work like that. God's not going to deliver you just so you can get back out and start worrying about nothing but you, me, myself, and I again. God wants to deal with a problem that you have at hand. God wants to show you why. And that's what I'm saying. We're praying the wrong thing. We need to be praying, God, show us. what, Dear God, right now in Jesus' name, I need you to show me what am I doing wrong? Why, are you, why have you allowed this to happen to us? What do you want me to do to change? And then you might hear some words like, well, I'll be. I've been waiting on you. I'm glad you said that. This is what I want you to do. I tell you, as uh, I, I'm curious, I, I would love to know the numbers on how many people that call themselves Christians, that go to church even, that only bring their Bible once a get open their Bible once a week when they go to church. And even now, of course, okay, the doors are closed, but are you even opening your Bible at all? Hey, it can't be the dessert. It's got to be the main meal. You've got to digest. You've got to get in God's Word every day. You've got to pray every day. You've got to, to get in God's Word, and you've got to meditate in God's Word. And you know what? Most people we do, we'll pray to God all day long sometimes. And we'll pray and pray. Maybe not all day, but we'll pray. We'll pray without ceasing. But then we never stop and listen. We're doing all the talking. What kind of relationship do you have if you're doing all the talking? It's not a very good one. 
we'll get down on our knees. And, and I know I said pray all day, but let me tell you something. Most people, I'm pretty sure, they get up in the morning and say, well, five-minute prayer and head out the door. Expect God to bless them. Then, then complain all day long on why God, they don't understand why things are happening to them. Let me tell you, God's trying to get your attention. He doesn't want you to give a five-minute prayer and then head on out the door. God wants you in His Word. He wants you getting up early. He wants you being serious about it. You're rolling your sleeves up, getting on your knees, and getting busy with prayer. And not praying for you. Praying for this world. Praying for other things. And praying for God to show you things. And when you do that, then stop and listen. I like getting a piece of paper and a, and a pen out and, and get my Bible out. Because God's going to start speaking. And then you can start writing stuff down. And you can start marking up your Bible. And you can start listening and you'll know how to be obedient. How can you be obedient if you're not listening to God? How are you going to be obedient if you're not cracking open God, cracking uh, uh, the Bible open? You've got to open God's Word and God will tell you and God will show you things. And He'll simply tell you what you need to put away and what you need to pick up. I tell you, it's time. You, you mean, I mean, I'll tell you the problem. It's time for America to shut the TV off. It's time for America to shut down uh, Facebook and, and get in his book. And, I'm not, and of course, I'm a, a big uh, fan right now of trying to promote stuff on Facebook and everything. So I'm not coming against Facebook. But it, it is time for us to get in his book. It's time for us to cut off the TV. It's time for us to shut everything out. Get along with God and ask him. You know, when we repent, when we turn back to Him, then, and only then, is God going to heal our land. Is only, only then God will hear us, and maybe God will deliver us from this coronavirus. Romans chapter 10 said, Brethren, verse, very first verse, verse says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that you might be saved. That's my heart's desire for America. That's my heart's desire for the world. There's not a single person in this world that I don't want to be saved. That is my heart's desire for God to save America. My heart's desire is for God to save the world, all the lost people. Let's go, skip down to verse 7. It says, well, let's go to verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on the wise, Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is, to bring Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach. This is probably one of the most important verses in the Bible. Verse 9. I know it's probably one of them. In Romans especially. Verse 9 says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Paul makes it clear here that it takes confession of the mouth. It takes a belief in thine heart. And you have to not only just believe that Jesus exists. You need to believe that he exists. That he's God's son. And, and that he died on that cross for our sins. And he's alive. He's been resurrected. So verse 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salva until salvation. 
For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. There we go. We got to call upon him. Verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except he, that he be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I'm going to stop right there. Uh, I'm, uh, I stopped there in verse 15. I read one, th- pretty much 1 through 15. Uh, I think I skipped uh, 2 through 6 here, but or no, 2 through 5. But I got the gist. I, I just took you down the Roman road. Paul says confess. Paul says believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead and thou shalt be saved. God, Paul makes it clear that, hey, we need to go to church. And I know that you can't physically go right now. Well, maybe there's some open still, but I've got the doors open. But, hey, maybe you can't physically go, but you can get online. You can listen to podcasts. You can listen to radio shows. You can go buy your Bible and get in it and pray. And it says you, you need to go and you need to hear what the preacher says. If I'm a preacher that's preaching the truth and hear what that preacher says, get convicted and call on the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. Believe in thy heart that God, God had raised Jesus from the dead. And I pray right now that you get on your knees right now. As I'm speaking right now, don't be ashamed. Go ahead and get down on your knees right now and call out to him now. Call on the Lord Jesus. Call on him. Believe that, that he died on the cross for your sins. Make him king in your life and watch the Holy Spirit come up and set residency up in you and watch the change be made in your life. It's an awesome thing. And if you don't know Jesus, please call out to him. If you have been saved and you've just been wandering around like the children of Israel in the desert, wandering around, wandering around, wandering around in circles, just doing what you want to do. Hey, it's time for you to put that white flag up yourself and and call out on Jesus. Get back in line with him. Get back where you need to be. Now, I I do want to bring out two more things before I close. Just to let you know. Uh, one that that one that I'm pretty sure that a lot of people use this example, and I'm going to go ahead and use it too because it's true. If it took baptism to save, then the thief on the cross is in hell. But Jesus told him clear, clearly that today thou shall be with me in paradise. He didn't say, "Soon as you die, uh, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to get you." I mean, you know, uh, we no, he did not come down off that cross. All he had to do was believe, and he did. I'll tell you something else. I can't tell you. I, I don't have any personal hand, first-hand personal experiences in any of this. But I will say this much. Many times, pastors are called to the hospital late at night because someone there is dying. And I do believe right now that there's been many deathbed confessions. There's been many a people that have, that have been scared to death and didn't want to die. They've lived their whole life the way they've wanted to. But yet, something happens in the end. 
and they ask for a preacher and the preacher comes out there and leads them to the Lord. Not one time does a preacher say, well, look, right before you die, we need to go ahead and pour some water on you and get baptized. No, because it's the belief that saves you. Hey, this is Stacy Gibson. I thank you for tuning in tonight. You can uh, you have found me here on anchor.fm forward slash Stacy hyphen Gibson three. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, we're at I'm at Community Baptist Church. www.communitybaptist132.com And I'm also this is he's got the whole world in his hands ministry. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you and God bless.